0: when you're fundraising for a startup now I'm talking about really early stage and type of startups that we have invested in with Catapult Ocean um of course you want to show the you know you want to show the best and you want to sell you know your company and the team and all of that and that's great you know you should definitely do that but you have to be at the same time be honest and transparent because no one expects that this a small early stage company is perfect so that looks almost suspicious, right? So I think it's, it's good to also be very open about what you need support on. And if that, those areas matches what these investors can support you on, then it's really very interesting for the investors because they say that they, then they see that, wow, I can add value and that's exciting.
1: Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to Mission First the podcast to get inspired and to learn from successful entrepreneurs who are building a sustainable future for our planet and its people. I am Gilles Toussaint, your host and the founder of GT Impact, a growth and digital marketing agency working only with companies making a positive difference in this world. Growing a company that aims at having a sustainable impact is not easy. That's why I created Mission First. In each episode, I interview one entrepreneur who has a sustainable mission and who has recently gone through the difficult first years successfully. Together, we discuss their challenges and what they have learned on the way. We go into detail, with a specific focus on company culture, leadership, financing, growth and business strategy. That way, you'll learn hands-on tips on how to build a better future and a successful company too. I always had a passion for the sea and the ocean, so today I'm really excited to interview Marn Yacht. Marn is one of the co-founders of Catapult Ocean, which invests and supports startups with a positive impact on our ocean. They have a three-month accelerator program. They've already invested in 23 startups, between 150 to 300,000 euros per startup. They've built a global ecosystem of partners and more than 100 mentors to support these startups, so I'm really glad and excited to have the chance to talk to her today. Marn, thank you very much for being here today. How are you?
0: Thank you for uh, inviting me, Gil. I'm fine. Um, great to be here to share some of my experiences. Hopefully it's interesting for, for your listeners to learn more about ocean impact technologies and, and investment opportunities
1: in this space. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. First question, which person, you know, like can be a family or celebrity or anyone has inspired you to become an entrepreneur?
0: Three years ago, soon three years ago, I I started Catapult Ocean together with the three other co-founders and I led that and built that until this spring. And during those years, I think what has inspired me most are the founders we've invested in. Uh, people who have had great careers elsewhere, uh, uh, and that are like that leave all of that behind to to start something new from scratch. Uh, extremely passionate people, clever people who just put everything they have into this one, all the eggs into one basket to build a, a successful company. I think uh, working with those founders is what has really inspired me uh, a lot. Um, in addition, there are of course the kind of the the philanthropists of the world and and you know it's of course always inspirational to listen to Al Gore talking about impact investment as the most you know the the best business case and best investment opportunity of our time so those type of people of course uh, and then being a, a woman in the in the the kind of finance and investment space, I think all other uh you know uh Women who really made it in this space are also a great inspiration.
1: Great. Uh, so you are one of the co-founders of Catapult Ocean. Uh, can you explain us a bit what is uh, your mission and you know the the mission of Catapult Ocean if it's if it's different?
0: Yes, the Catapult ecosystem was built. What started by um, by a, a group of people very passionate about impact investing and exponential technologies uh, several years ago. And together with this group, uh, I founded Catapult Ocean. Uh, and the vision, start with that, the vision for Catapult Ocean uh, is a thriving ocean in harmony with economic development. So really, that we can use the ocean uh, to to provide food, stable energy, sustainable uh, energy experiences, uh, green transportation. There's a lot of opportunities in the ocean at the same time as, as, you know, the fact that we're really reliant upon a healthy ocean to provide us those services. Um, so so um, that's kind of the vision for Catapult Ocean. Uh, and the mission for Catapult Ocean was to invest in leading impact ocean startups globally and support them and build a broad ecosystem to kind of accelerate this quite nascent part of the startup ecosystem. Uh, And and we we did that by really building a global ecosystem of mentors, as you mentioned, partners, the corporate players. We worked a lot with the intersection between the startups and the established industry players to push the established ones to, to work with startups, to be pilot customers, to invest, and to support this next generation of entrepreneurs in this space.
1: And you told me that, you know, your ambition was you wanted to change how the VC world works. What do you mean by that? Uh,
0: that is, I think that's more for kind of my, 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 current, um, my current project. So I my, just started Catapult Ocean some years ago, built that. Um, kind of. I've stepped aside as CEO in Catapult Ocean uh, this spring. Uh, We've got a great guy on board to lead that forward uh, with the team. Uh, and I'm currently uh, building FIND Ocean Ventures. And the ambition for FIND uh, is to invest in significantly late-stage ventures in the ocean space, in the growth phase. Uh, and uh, for FIND, it is really to, to build a, what we call a VC2.0.1. Um so to take the, the best of the private equity approach in being very focused on value creation and potential exits, and take that to the growth phase companies. Um so so and be that strategic lead investor that really knows the space and can work hands-on with the companies and everything from business development to to uh, making more lean processes uh, and, and, you know, look at manufacturing JVs and, you know, everything that, that it has to be looked upon in those companies. So that's what I mean by, by kind of VC 2.0, uh, So that's what we're targeting to do with, with, with Fint Ocean Ventures. Uh, If we move back to Catapult Ocean, I think that's also kind of a novel way of supporting these type of companies at the very early stage. So with Catapult Ocean, we have invested into a lot of early stage pre-seed seed seed companies. Uh, And the model for Catapult Ocean is a three-month accelerated program where we bring these companies to Norway to get them immersed into the strong ecosystem we have here. Um Catablet ocean just launched their um, their third wave of startups or they're doing it these weeks and today of course it's it's a virtual program uh, which is also you know um, working very well so uh, this is also a quite different way of doing it uh, to support early stage startups extremely hands-on uh, for a shorter period of time
1: just to make sure your, your company is a for-profit company, I guess.
0: Yes, both. So Catapult Ocean, uh, which kind of my, my old company where I'm still a bit involved, and then FinD Ocean Metrics. It's for-profit, definitely, but with an impact lens. So we invest into companies that combine competitive financial returns with positive impact. And I think the ocean space is just the perfect example of this. Um, I can mention a couple of examples. Um, we need to feed the growing population. Uh, there are going to be 10 billion people on the planet in uh, the next decades in need of food. And we know that um, uh, protein from the ocean is more healthy, has less carbon uh, footprint, and uh, we are, if we do it in a sustainable way, we are able to produce more from the ocean. So, uh, you know, that is, of course, a big demand at the same time. If we do it in the right way, using new technologies, we can also do it in a sustainable way that is good for the planet. Uh, So really combining profit and and, uh, and impact.
1: So I'd like to take a a step back and to, to, to put myself and ourselves in your shoes when you started the company. So, you know, talking about the first steps of the company creation, how does the story start? What's the trigger that makes you decide to start catapult ocean?
0: For me personally, it started with I wanted to be uh, to build something. Uh, I had previously been, you know, uh, 10 years plus part of bigger uh companies like McKinsey, like the Wilhelmson Group which is a big shipping company and Orkla, uh, a big fast moving consumer goods company here in in Norway or leading one in the Nordics and I I was a bit tired of all the bureaucracy and, and the, kind of the um, <laughs> yeah being you know just having kind of responsibility for kind of my part But I really want to build something and drive something at my pace so that was why I thought you know I want to start something uh, and then I had a dialogue with uh my co-founders in Catapult Ocean, the guys who had already started the Catapult group and uh, just discussing with them uh, the idea of impact investing and support working with really early stage companies and founders got me really engaged. Uh, and then, uh, so it's really, you have to have passion about about it, right? Uh, about the type of people you would work with, with a kind of type, the style, you know, working Fast-paced environment with with uh, with a lot of people, uh, and then the ocean is a passion of mine. Uh, being from Norway, uh, I think we grow up with a kind of a, uh, a very strong relationship with the ocean. We have one of the longest coastlines in the world. Um, we have some of the leading players in all ocean sectors. Uh, I think we take kind of the, the, the closest we have to the ocean, the, the relationship to the ocean, almost a bit for granted. Uh, so. Um, I saw a great, you know, uh, it's the passion for the ocean. And then I saw the great market opportunity here. There was really a gap in the market. A lot of clever people starting ventures in the ocean space, but not many uh, smart investors in this space at the very early stage. And that's what we built with Capital Ocean. We saw a huge market opportunity. We saw a gap. We saw really uh, um, an opportunity for us to, 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 um, to support and help ambitious founders at the same time as investing in them and, and, and generating uh, good financial returns for our investors. Uh, so the market opportunity, uh, passion about the subject, and, and uh, really the opportunity to work with great people. Uh, and that is what has also led me to uh, to start Find, which I'm currently doing, is that I also see a gap in the market for later stage uh Investors uh, in, in more of the growth uh, growth phase of this, the same type of
1: companies. Mm-hmm. And so when you are uh, so you were part of the catapult group at the time, you see this market opportunity. Your passion for the ocean, you decide to start uh, catapult ocean. Mm-hmm. How does it how does it work? You said you were three co founders. So mm-hmm. how do you select the one you already mentioned? How do you find the other one? How do you select him? And then the second part would be, how do you start like raising funding? Because I guess you know it's not like a startup. You cannot bootstrap it. You need if you want to invest in other startups. So what are your steps there to say, okay, we're going to find investors to raise some capital before we are even able to start?
0: So f- first topic, you know, people, team. Um, when I started Catapult Ocean, it was kind of, we were, we were four co-founders uh, and all of us kind of decided to start it together. So the three others were part of Catapult. I came from the outside, so my company and them started Catapult Ocean together. So we kind of, all of us uh, kind of chose the other when we started
1: Catapult Ocean. And Catapult, just to, to be sure, Catapult is also an investment company.
0: Uh, yes, yes. Uh, and then um, the most important thing for me then was actually to find, you know, who are who's going to be in my team, who's going to be in my management group, uh, who's going to build Catapult ocean from scratch with me. The other co-founders had kind of a more, uh, um, you know, some of them are more active than others, but more kind of more, more passive, not, not the day to day role. So my most important thing here was to find the right people to, to sit together with me <laughs> day and night to build Catapult Ocean. Um, and I first thing I did was to really to, 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 to use my network. I knew I wanted to have people based, you know, the main part of the team in Norway, but I started talking to people in my network, get them engaged, you have to really share the vision, talk about the story and, you know, get them on board. Uh, and I was extremely lucky uh, to, to, to get uh, four fantastic people uh, to join me that really we ended up being a, you know, a team that really complemented each other. So um, that is kind of the, I mean, the most important thing. And that's what I'm currently doing with FIND as well, how to set, you know, start, build the right team from the very beginning. If you fail to do that, I guess that you know, it's, if you start an investment company you know, like I've done with Catapult Ocean and with FIND, it's exactly the same as if you know if, if you start a, a, a startup, a kind of more traditional startup as well. Um, uh, so it's people who share the same passion, the same values, and are really ready to to give everything to to deliver on the mission. Uh, and then you need funding, of course, to uh, to both uh, <laughs> to get those people on board and to start to start the work. So for for when you set up an investment firm. You need both a funding to kind of set up that company uh, and hire people uh, and then you also of course the both, the both part here is to, to get capital into a fund that you then manage and invest into other companies right um, and this goes a bit in parallel so with Capital Ocean uh, we really we had you know, some initial uh, Something from from the catapult group, uh, which you know, so we managed to get it started, and then we got another investor on board into the management company. Uh, But then the very first things we did in parallel was to start talking to investors to get them excited about the opportunity to invest into the catapult ocean fund. Uh, And as it is with uh, with uh, you know fundraising for a startup, this is kind of the same with fundraising for a fund have to tell a convincing story why should those investors put capital into you know your project instead of having it in the bank or having it in other funds or a lot of people asking for for the capital you know why, why should they put it into to you and uh telling that story in a convincing way make sure you talk to the right people uh, and you know, and really be focused on what type of investors you talk to is is, is critical
1: so now that you have, like, you, you you find the way to to raise the funding, you have the uh, you found your co-founder. What in that part at the beginning? What was the hardest part?
0: I think it's you know in general it is just to remain focused because uh, in in the very beginning setting up a company, you are uh, there are so many things that needs to be done and there are so many work streams and you just too few people be really true to your mission and not be tempted to say yes to 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 contribute to a lot of other things but really really stay true to your focus what are the most important things you need to do get done over the next month just focus on that Uh, I just as an example also you know it's a parallel thing I was in a board meeting yesterday with the company I've invested in privately and that was the kind of the main the main focus in that board and yesterday also was to support those founders on, on focusing. What's the key thing we need to achieve next month? Is it to get one cornerstone investor or is it to get that product ready? Okay, that's the most important thing that everyone should focus on that. We shouldn't do anything else apart from kind of keeping everything else floating. And that's that's tough, right? Because you have to say no to stuff, uh, and uh, a lot of founders are extremely ambitious and passionate and are yes people. Um, so uh, I think that 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 is a challenge, uh, and still a challenge uh, currently. Uh, while I'm uh, I'm still kind of um, building find with uh, I have a great group of people joining me, but not all of them have joined full time yet. So I'm still kind of. Uh, it's extremely important to be focused as i know
1: do you have any tip on your decision like making process to be able to stay focused
0: a very concrete one is to use a tool that i use just for myself and i used it as a management tool in catapult ocean and i have also uh, a lot of the companies we've invested in in Catapult Ocean have also started using it. Uh, I think it comes from Cisco. It's the OKR, Objective Key Results. Mm-hmm. It's a very, you know, it's it's a very simple tool, but it helps you focus. So, okay, what what are the main objectives you have? You know, you want to to achieve in the next three months, max. You know, for a company, small company, maximum four, five, maximum, right? For for a company with two persons, maybe two. And then for each of those objectives, what are the key results, measurable, and what's the deadline, and who is responsible? It sounds very simple, but if you put all of that down on paper, and you and you stick it up on the wall <laughs> to remind yourself this is a focus. Every time you're asked to do something else, or there's you know something else that uh, that you know grabs your attention, look at that. And you know we had a rule in Catapult Ocean, which was that if we do not, you know if there's any else and what's on that uh, OKR uh, that comes on our desk, uh, we're not going to do it. And if we feel that this is something we should do, then we have to sit down, all of us, and say, OK, then we have to remove something else that is on the OKR, because we, we don't have the capacity to, to focus on more. Uh, so be very strict on that. It's a, it's a good tool.
1: OKR is a very, very powerful and uh, it takes the more the bigger the company is, the more time it it, it takes to to set them up and mm-hmm. probably to follow them up. But uh, I also agree that it's something very very mm-hmm. efficient, and uh, I think companies who are using it are way more efficient than others. Mm-hmm. So after talking about this like hardest part in the beginning, um, when I see on your website that you know it says you invest and support startups with a positive impact on our ocean. And you basically have three steps to help them to invest, to catalyze, those two words. Mm-hmm. And you have the catapult accelerator and you are as well you know, building a global ecosystem with startups, mentors, partners, investors. How do you decide to develop these different services or let's say features of your company in, in, in which order?
0: Uh, I was lucky when starting Catapult Ocean because we had a sister company or have in Catapult Ocean called Catapult Accelerator. And they had already uh, established an accelerated program and seed fund for impact startups globally. So uh, they had already tested a lot of things and had kind of this um, uh model where they had a fund they invested they supported and built an ecosystem so we what we did with catapult ocean is that we saw okay that works for these types of startups what do we need to do to build you know to be the most relevant early stage investor for ocean impact startups and these startups were quite are quite different because it's more hardware involved. It's uh, it's more nascent part of the startup ecosystem. It's more research. It's, it's kind of different uh, different types of founders as well. I'd say it's quite experienced founders in the in that space also. With uh, yes, in our portfolio in Catapult Ocean, the average age has been closer to forty years old. So experienced business people or researchers. Uh, so. Uh, what do these people need? So it it was really all about as uh, a normal startup. Again, we had the starting point, which was catapult accelerator. Uh, then I started talking to two founders in the ocean space. What what do they need? Uh, you know, what type of support would they need? What are what are the challenges they're kind of struggling with? What type of people would they like to, to brainstorm those challenges with? What type of you know? So, so it's really to understand the, the, your customers' needs. And, and as an accelerator and fund, the customers are, you have a couple of customers, you have the, the startups on the one side that needs to you know, buy, into, <laughs> buy into you, and then you have the investors. Uh, so what we did was really start talking to all these stakeholders to understand what their needs were so that we can tailor make a product offering, which is the investment and accelerator program
1: those. Okay, and as so as well that you have a lot of partners on your on your website, mm. and to build this ecosystem of partners, what are exactly these partners, and how did you grow that network? What, what what's your approach for that?
0: Mm. Uh, those partners had different roles. So some some were uh, supporting us when so we had the demo days or events, and took part in those in different shapes and forms. Others uh, contributed to our due diligence process. Others, again, contributed as had people in their companies contributing as mentors. Others, again, uh, contributed to the accelerated program, hosting sessions, talking, for example, about you know, what they see, uh, what they look for when they decide to do a pilot project with a startup, for example, or... Uh, shared how they work with impact and impact measurement or how they work with leadership development because really uh supporting these founders to become uh good leaders is also a very important part of 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 um, uh what they need what we need to do so uh so, so so these partners have different types of roles and some of them are also you know clusters that have you know access to a lot of interesting startups so it can also be you know Sharing insights about uh, startups, trends in technologies, and so on. So different roles, but building those, you know, building that ecosystem is something that I have worked a lot on, and that's really uh, a lot of it is also kind of personal network that I, you know, uh, also uh, when I'm building Find, uh having all these, these these kind of relationships with, with people in this space globally is really an advantage um and how to build that well it, it's about being present i mean in these corona times it's a bit different actually because uh, you have yeah it's a lot of conferences still it's all virtual but you miss those more informal chats by the coffee machine right or in between the uh, sessions but i i was i've been uh been present globally at most important ocean events i've also been you know both as a speaker and panelist, but also really just there as a listener talking to people visited different ocean hubs and and really talked to a lot of uh, stakeholders and then it's about developing good relationships where you kind of you support and give something back right so it becomes a mutual beneficial relationship so that, that's the balance, right? It's between saying no to a lot of things and saying yes, because when you say yes, you get exposure to a lot of interesting people that might be very interesting to talk to, and that you know, and then you might end up, you know, learning something new, uh, discover a new company, a new technology, you know, which is valuable for building the companies. But you have to strike the right balance there. But, uh, uh, but if you do, if you say that, you know, building these type of networks or ecosystems is key to succeed in what you're doing, then, of course, that should be part of what you do. And then you have to prioritize down something else.
1: And regarding the these decisions to be able to say yes or no, again, here, do you have a, a certain decision making process to try to evaluate when you should say yes or when you should say no
0: it goes back to having that okr to have a look at that does it support any of those objectives Uh, yes or no Uh, and if it does then it's worthwhile you know considering to to actually say yes uh, to those but but at the same time you have to it's a lot about gut feeling it's a lot about you know uh, maybe not you know you can say yes to something but then maybe say yes I'm available but you know in in two weeks time from now or something so it's all about time management really to have you know to have a combination of all those meetings and and and, uh, network building with also having enough time to sit down and think and reflect and, and you know do more of the deep Deep thinking and and um. <laughs>
1: uh, I I think that's actually a, a really good tip to be able to if you have the OKRs all the time in front of you and you follow your gut feelings combination should give you probably the mm. the best answer. Um, when you talked about the um, the virtual event and the fact that you know you're lacking this like informal chats, do you have actually there any special tips or? Have you found out some ways to actually compensate for, for, for that this lack of contact?
0: I think uh, it's it's about also, you know si- since you don't get to have that you know ten minute chat with the person you want to talk to about the coffee machine that you can just target be more you know uh, uh, you know just approach approach people via you know emails or or call them or be more you know use other tools to get to talk to those people uh call people and ask you know uh ask for a quick chat and i think what's the the, the good thing about you know things being virtual is that you can you can ha- you can actually have a, a 15 or it's easier to have a 10 or 15 minute chat with someone virtually than in person right so as an example a couple of days ago i i had a, someone had asked me to have a, to take a coffee to because we we still meet people for coffees here in in Oslo in Norway um, with a, with a arms or with a, the one meter social distance, I decided to to do that via phone or a whereby instead. Uh, and in that discussion, I just figured quite early figured that this wasn't that relevant for me at the moment. So you know, we ended that discussion after ten minutes uh, in a nice way, and I said, you know, this might be, it might be relevant for us to touch base again over Christmas at some point. If I'd, you know, met that person for coffee in a physical place, it would have, you know, taken at least an hour, right, to get there. To, you know, and you can't really uh, end something after ten minutes, done. So there are some advantages as well <laughs> with that.
1: Yes, yeah, and that's actually one, one, one thing I realized as well. Uh-huh. When you when you have meetings with someone I attended before as well to say, oh yeah, let's meet up for coffee or for lunch. Mm-hmm. And then you now attend more as well to say let's have first a phone chat, uh, and because not very often but sometimes you just realize <laughs> that it's 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 not the right time to discuss or it's, there is no nowhere to go mm. and it's better to to postpone and to just have this five minute chat instead of like having mm. to to talk during one hour even though it's nice but if you start doing that too often you said. Uh, saying too often yes, then mm. you start ending, ending up not doing enough,
0: yeah.
1: not accomplishing enough. Exactly. So, <laughs> that's a pros of the mm. virtual thing. It makes it easier now. You would not have mm. said to someone like, oh, let's take a coffee over uh. over Skype like, ex- uh, ex- a year ago.
0: Exactly. But the thing is, the thing is that, it, of course, it might be more challenging to get hold of those people you want to talk with, right? Because it's it's more, it's more easier if they're in physical meeting and they can approach someone physically and say, hi. Eric, you know, they
1: have to talk to you in that case.
0: Exactly. Right. So they don't have to reflect your email or your phone calls. That's of course, uh, <laughs> then it's about being convincing uh, again, right? In the, <laughs> uh, yeah, the
1: first, the first minute yes. is also very crucial. It's like mm-hmm. cold calling, but in, in chats. Yes. Um, i'd like to talk to switch to the um, to move to this do's and don'ts you sent me and then uh, i'd love to talk of course about the, you know the, your future mm-hmm. um so i would ask you if you could um, put up a list of do's and don'ts for the founders who are actually raising some funding so you told me for 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 that the first one was to be honest and transparent show the ugly side what do you need support and help with and ask for it. Mm. This makes investors engage. So yes. can you elaborate on that?
0: Well yes, it's uh I mean when you're fundraising for a startup er, now I'm talking about really early stage and type of startups that we have invested in with Catapult Ocean. Um of course you want to show the you know you want to show the best and you want to sell you know your company and the team and all of that. And that's great. You know, you should definitely do that. But you have to be at the same time, be honest and uh, and transparent because no one expects that a a small early stage company is perfect. So that looks almost suspicious, right? Uh, And kind of, so so I think it's, it's good to also be very open about what you need support on because, and if that, those areas matches what these investors can support you on, then it's really, you know, that's, very interesting for the investors because they say that that then they see that, wow, this is, you know, here I can really contribute and I can add value. And that's exciting for an investor in the early stage. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's about just building that trust also between the investors and and the startups really to have an open dialogue, to sit down and just uh, be transparent. And and, uh, because all those kind of flaws or, Things that doesn't work uh, are gonna be uh, figured out anyway in the due diligence process or later on. So it's much better to kind of upfront be 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 honest about it, but in of course in a clever in a clever way. Um, so that's the first thing. Yes.
1: Um, so the second one was to surround yourself with people that compliment you in the board and team and hire people that are better than you.
0: Yes. That's back to my you kind know, of one of the, what I talked about the first things I did when starting Catapult Ocean and then also now while starting Find is make sure you have the right people um, uh, and that you build a diverse team in, in you know, in, in in many aspects really. So it's not all about gender and, and back ethnicity and all of that, it's backgrounds, uh, interests, introvert extrovert it's a kind of way of working it's it's a lot all all the dimensions that's really what can add a lot of value and as an investor that's what i'm looking for you know a a team that really strength you know uh, together is extremely strong because of the the complementary sides uh, and if you but but as an early startup you you don't have that many people right so so then it's even more important to make sure that you can have people in the board or if you have an advisory board or around or a, or a mentor that can really support you on the, t- the topics that you're not that good at right uh, and very often we see that people tend to hire people that are similar to themselves that's kind of a bias we typically have um, and I think it's very important to be cautious of that and, and and really try to hire people that are different and people that are better than you at something, because uh, then you can kind of improve or strengthen the company as a whole. And it's ex- exciting to work with people, smart people that are better than you, that you can learn from, right? That's really what, uh, uh, yeah, at least what, what excites me.
1: The third one, the third do you send me is do your research, identify the investors that are relevant for you, do not waste your time meeting investors with the wrong mandate, make the make the pitch relevant to them, and what's in, in for them in addition to financial returns. I'm really mm. curious about that one.
0: It's a bit back to the say no and um, prioritize, right? So. So you're a startup uh, and you want to raise funding. And it's very tempting to talk to, you know, of course you should talk to a lot of people about it, but it's tempting to just get all the meetings you can. But I think it's so important to, to do your homework, uh, find out what investors have previously invested in companies at the, your stage or have that as part of their mandate. Really prepare yourself so that when you go and meet that investor, you can pitch to them not to kind of any investor but you actually make a pitch to them I don't I'm not talking about you know making a, a, a completely new pitch every time you're having an investor presentation but you can just do small tweaks and include stuff so it makes it personal for them and so that they see that oh, this is this is somewhere where I can actually add value and it makes sense for my my friend or my uh, my company to invest in you know into this. And these guys have actually taken, made an effort to to, to understand us and to learn about us. That's also uh, a nice thing for those investors. So, uh, and it's also about not way, you know, stay same, same reason as not saying yes to everything. Just not do not waste the investors' time, nor uh, your your startup's precious time meeting people that are not relevant for you. Um, and there are different ways of doing that, of course. I mean, one thing is, of course, starts with Googling and researching the web, web, web sites and so on. But also, you know, talk to people in the ecosystem, try to understand which investors are mo- most inclined to invest in you uh, and start with those. Have a prioritized list.
1: And what do you mean by what's in, in them in addition to financial returns? I mean, what would be the, the mm-hmm. things you would look mm-hmm. at uh, directly?
0: Yeah, you know, um, I, I can take an example, which is, again, uh, I think it, it's true for both Capital Ocean and Fint, is that investors that invested into our funds, they get access to our ecosystem they can learn something. They can follow what are the latest trends within aquaculture sector, for example, or what what what's the latest technology, or what's happening in this space in Canada or elsewhere in the world. So, um, and they can maybe be part of a group of really interesting investors uh, that are have more experience in the growth phase, or investors that have more experience in in ocean. Uh, so you know. Um, Make sure that these investors see that, you know, yes, you invested, you have, you know, there is going to be financial returns here, but you can also, this can be part of building your ecosystem. Uh, You can gain more insights and and knowledge by becoming part of this ecosystem. Uh, You can learn something.
1: And arriving to the last, do you? Sent me, you said, say no to a lot of things. Prioritize not only in fundraising but in life in general. I guess we, you already mentioned that a couple of times. So I think it's it's kind of a mantra for you. But do you have anything you want to add on this? Uh,
0: it's actually not the, the thing. Is that it's not it's not been a mantra for me. So that's that's maybe why I emphasize it a lot. It sounds like I'm a no person, but I'm I'm I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually more of a yes person, <laughs> which which is why I have to uh, which is why I really have to focus on this right because <laughs> I get you tempted. have a big
1: sign with no in front of you
0: <laughs> yeah it's all I should. I, I don't right but I should probably <laughs> so I said yes to a lot of things because I get excited uh, and uh, of course if you have the capacity to kind of do all the stuff uh, yes uh, and I but I've be, yeah, become much more stricter and prioritizing especially after I became a mom as well and kind of you you have to take a big kindergarten and you have to you know we have more uh limits to, to you know there is yeah, more stuff you have to do in addition which is more important than than work as well uh i think um just yeah, that uh, automatically uh, made me prioritize more I'm very strict but i've always actually been quite strict in prioritizing uh but uh, i'm not always comfortable saying no <laughs>
1: Um, it's something to learn and something, but I, I also really get you in a way that like, I think all the good networkers, and I think you, you seem to be mm-hmm. very good at, you know, partnership as well. And uh, it's something when you're a good networker in general, you're also very good at saying yes. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it, it's about being aware of your, sometimes your flaws mm-hmm. and, uh, and <laughs> I guess the, that's part of it, and I was, I'm, I'm, I'm basically the same type, same type as well. And as you said, it's sometimes it's when you start to realize that you don't have enough time for something else, then mm. you you need to be able to start to say no. And you said being mm. a mom, like congratulations on that as well. Uh, I, I mean, uh, I know the feeling recently, and uh, when you start having a baby, then all of a sudden you're like the hours you get for yourself or for work are <laughs> are just. Limited, so you try to maximize your, your efficiency.
0: Yes, and you become, I think you become more uh, efficient actually, uh, and more focused. And uh, that's my
1: my
0: experience.
1: So uh, thank you very much for these uh, like tips and recommendations, these do's and don'ts. Um, now I'd like to talk a little bit about the you know your future, and um, you know I know that you you left as a CEO, Catapult Ocean. Uh, you're still an advisor, a strategic advisor, I think, and I'd like to talk a bit about your future plans. But before we dive too like too quickly into that, there's one thing that I find very interesting that I would like to talk to with you It's to talk about how you proceeded to like give over your company in the best way possible because mm-hmm. I think you know when when you are a co-founder, when you create a company, this becomes your you know your baby, mm-hmm. I guess, yes, and so. The first question would be, what makes you take that decision at some at some point? If you if you might like uh, mention it or explain it, and then how do you proceed to to find the the person who, who replaces you or the persons who replace mm. you?
0: Mm. Uh, no, as you said, it's it's exactly the same words I've used a lot of times. That it's um, it becomes a, a kind of a baby, a second baby. <laughs> Um, and it's so it's, it's it's more emotional than quitting or ending other job jobs. Right, it's, it's very different um, because you built something and put so much into it and built a team and yeah, all all of that. For me, it was it was really the the, the result of a long thought process where I had seen that there are other gaps that need to be filled uh, to to build a sustainable ocean economy, which is really my my passion <laughs> right now. Uh, and I thought, how can I contribute to that? So I want to play a role, continue to play a role in that. And we were at the stage with build ocean where we build a solid foundation, uh, Had a great team. Uh, and I thought that, you know, this is stage where some, you know, where we can actually find someone else who can take this forward. Uh, and I can uh, go out and, and start something from scratch again, which is what I'm doing with films. And um, catapult ocean, I started together with three co-founders and, a, and an established system. Uh, but I want also to start something completely from scratch, which is what I'm doing currently with the
1: So was the CEO already part of your team before? Uh,
0: no, but he was kind of he was part of the the catapult ecosystem. So so he already knew my team. Uh, he knew. Uh, the owners, all of that. So it was, um, and we knew each other, we've known each other for, for, for a long time as well, like privately. So it was um, a quite efficient process, actually. And he already knew, knew Catapult and our values and our mission and ambition very well. Uh, which was lucky, a lucky situation.
1: So you decided you left Catapult, that you left, you didn't really mm. left because you're still an advisor there, mm. but you left as a CEO in spring this year mm. and so your next step, you already mentioned it, was Fint. Mm. Can you explain me a bit what are the next steps uh, with, with that venture and uh, what kind of co-founders are you looking for? Mm. Um, what do you think is going to be the most difficult in the coming months?
0: Yes. So uh, first priority was to, of course, have a smooth transition with Catapult Ocean, make sure that the new CEO, Jonas, uh, got on board in a good way and yeah, all that. Um, and then uh, I'm currently now building Fynd Ocean Ventures. Um, and our ambition is to be the leading fund manager for a sustainable ocean economy uh, globally uh, for companies in the growth phase. So that is... Significantly later than catapult Ocean invests in, uh, and we want to uh, to uh, invest in a fewer number of companies, be hands on in the entire investment period, um, uh, and we put together. And to do that, we 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 are also system thinkers. So so we we look at kind of what's needed to build a sustainable economy. Uh, we're based in Norway also, and with the the global connected to the global scene so we look for companies globally we look for investors globally and we have also the strong purpose mission and mission focus here we want to provide competitive financial returns with impact Uh, and to deliver on such an approach um, what type of people do we need right so the first thing i did here again uh, was to think you know think about who who's the perfect co-founder for me here um so I, I started several discussions and I ended up with, uh, with uh, a fantastic guy who's going to be uh, uh, who's joining me. Uh, he is uh, yeah, is currently a partner with the Boston Consulting Group. so he has a great track record uh, from creating value for for companies, big and small companies. He's also been an active venture capital investor himself. And we've known each other for, for, for several decades, actually. Uh, so, so that was, a, you know, a, a fantastic uh, <laughs> moment when, when he said yes to join. Uh, so we are two co-founders. Uh, and around us, we're also building a, a kind of the same approach, actually, uh, both an advisory um, advisory network uh, but, and also the board uh, with really seasoned investors in this space with with track record from leading private equity funds and and impact investments and also with ex- strong experience from the sectors we look at. Um, so I'm, I'm you know trying to do the same thing as advice my companies i invested in to do to, to build a complementary team here uh that can really deliver on the mission. Um uh, and uh so the team, yeah, it is kind of Forming now, we're also in dialogue with with investors, where we again uh, look for the right investors for us to get as cornerstone investors, kind of the first big investors that we get on board. Uh, we look for Norwegian family offices or institutional investors, and we want those you know, those Norwegian investors typically have a an experience from investing into the ocean space and combining that with international investors with more experience from the growth phase. Um, and we build a pipeline and talk to companies. So it's uh, a lot of work streams. Uh, I'm, uh, I have my OKR that I have to look at every day to, to focus and say no <laughs> and say yes to a lot of things as well. Uh, but it's, it's exciting and it's um, uh, having a, a co-founder that's very value aligned is, is, is so important. And I think both of us want to build a uh, a fund management system here that that does venture capital in maybe a bit different way. Think more diverse about the type of people we bring into the team, uh, how we work, um, uh, and yeah, try to establish a different culture. Uh, you know, it's it, it There are always uh, exceptions, but here in Norway, and elsewhere, it's. Uh, Historically, the venture capital space has been quite, and also the PE space has been. It's a quite a a kind of macho. uh, You work like crazy hours, and it's very competitive. It's, it's, you know, uh, I'm just generalizing here, but it's uh, something about some of the cultures uh, that exist in this space that we want to, want to challenge and do things in a different way which resonates with our impact focus as well right so we we, um, we think there are even better ways of doing, doing this
1: how do you make sure like you know when you talk about impact uh, for the early stage startup and especially when you're going to go into more in the vc world here mm-hmm. or in the growth stage mm-hmm. um, when these companies are usually like Aiming at an exit, for example, are being bought by these like giant corporates who sometimes are, you know, more into the greenwashing part without really caring about the impact. Mm. How do you make sure you actually like, can avoid that or make it the right way?
0: When it comes to investors, uh, I think, as, as you know, uh, if people invest into FIND, the fund, because they want to show they're doing something sustainable. Uh, I think that's, I'm fine with that because we manage the fund and we know that our intentionality is right. I think that's, that's fine. Um, the companies we invest in, uh, we focus on impact. We, we, you know, together with our partners, we assess what is, you know, the actual ocean impact on this specific technology or solution, um, does it actually have a positive impact? So this is really part of our strategic due diligence process, and we have a framework that we use to to do this. And we focus a lot on the the you know the founder founding team's intentionality here uh, as well to make sure that these you know uh, they're doing this for the right reasons. Um, and then when it comes to potential exit opportunities for these companies, as you mentioned, strategic players who want to kind of buy and some of our portfolio companies in the end. Um, I mean, as long as we know that the intentionality of those teams and the technology and the solutions are good for, for the ocean, it's great that these companies are, are, are acquired by, by big players uh, as you know uh, a way for them to, 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 to move on this sustainability journey, I think. I think it's... Um, in Fin. we'll look at kind of three main areas, one is to feed the planet in a healthy sustainable way, second is improved utilization of ocean resources so that is new materials, health nutraceuticals and so on the last one is um, technology to support fact-based informed decision making which is big data, sensors connectivity, all of that and I think uh, as long as we do a thorough assessment in our due diligence process uh, I think we, yeah we are fine. Uh, but of course, it's important that we, we are very ca- cautious about what type of investors we want to sell these companies to, to make sure that you know uh, the impact focus is, is continued in the next phase of those
1: companies' growth. Good that they keep on having the right mm-hmm. mission.
0: Yeah, and we as investors, we, we work with these companies on, on impact, how to define their theory of change, Uh, what impact metrics should they report on. So these companies, they report back to us on financial uh, results, but also impacts. And we aggregate that and report to our investors on both the financial developments, but also impacts. And this is becoming more and more, uh, you know, normalized as well, which is great, great to see.
1: Thank you, Marne. I would love to switch to move to the last usual questions that I ask all my guests So the first one would be, what's the best advice you've been given as an entrepreneur?
0: Ask for help and support. Just reach out to people and ask for people to mentor you or to give advice and and support. Uh, Because people uh, people, uh, love to help. I think that's important.
1: Great one. What's your favorite question to ask candidates during your recruiting process, or let's say here, uh, that's usually when I ask to startup owners, but in your case, maybe it's not during the recruiting process mm-hmm. as such as a candidate, but as a startup, but to the founders, for example.
0: Why do you want to work here? I, you know, I, I want them to, I want to see if they're passionate, if they... Uh, you know, it's a broad question, right? But why, why, why do you want to work with me? Why do you want to work with Finn? Why do you want to work with Catapult Ocean? Uh, to to be able to see if they're really passionate about it and if they're thought through, you know, what they can contribute with, and and uh, yeah. Uh,
1: and when you ask that question, how do you evaluate, you know, the the honesty of the answer? Yeah, you
0: know, this is uh, again. Uh, all, all of these type of processes are better to do uh, in person, uh, and uh, <laughs> I guess it's it's a matter of you know you have a I have a gut feeling and instinct. I have talked to so, you know we've looked talked to and interviewed so many founders and people and in different situations. So I th- I think that if you have a long uh, discussion and a couple of a couple of interviews or discussions with these you know potential candidates, you you, you get the you know you 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 understand uh, if they told the truth or not, and that is of course important to reference checks and and all of that. Um, but I believe in you know not having this uh, you know very hardcore interviews, but but have more of a dialogue. And and this is a especially for a new company like Finn and Catabulled Ocean Boss. It's it's kind of a you have to sell both ways, right? It's different than when I interviewed for McKinsey because uh there was a kind of different balance and strength there i think um you have to create this good a good dialogue and and uh, and you and then you get a feeling if you know people are honest or not but yeah.
1: yes and I, I agree yeah i agree as well and especially when you when you when you have several questions mm-hmm. uh, i think this that question is a very good one, mm-hmm. but what you said is still very right it's usually it's when you Look at what the people say beside mm. that question. Mm. That you actually can can mm. can evaluate how how uh, mm. passionate these people are. Because mm. uh, I mean, I don't know if you have examples, but uh, me, I, I can really have some examples in mind. When you know, when I was working in the music industry and I was like interviewing uh, in the tech uh, for a musician for this tech company you know, all the people would tell you, yeah, I'm passionate about music. Mm. You know, Why why, why, do you, why, do you want to work here? But at the end of the day, you would have some people during along the, the interview process who would tell you, you know, when I read the ad, mm. I had butterflies in my stomach. Mm. This is my dream job. Mm. Uh, I would like quit my job tomorrow directly if I could have a, a spot here. Mm. So by, by, by just speaking with these people, even if you ask that question in the middle of it, mm. of the interview, you have cues uh, like, At other places, on when these people are really passionate. Yeah, Um, but I think it's 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 a very important question to answer.
0: Yeah, and that is, of course, I mean, for for the different types of roles that I look for. I mean, if I look for track record within investment, you know, those are all the kind of the data. The you know, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be there. But but you have in addition to those, you have to have that passion and uh, really want to work with. You know, it's it's so important when you're a small company. You know, if you're you know, big established industry players, and you add one more person. That's of course important. But you know, for a small company, that you know, you're two people, and you add in one more person. It's extremely important that that person is a good match, right? Personally, as well, and can complement. And them.
1: that's a measure of success. Yeah. yeah. Um, which book would you recommend entrepreneurs? Uh, you know, in the ocean world, for example, or in the sustainability with a sustainable mission? Uh, to read. Or investors, like you can also take the example mm. of investors. If you have a very, uh, I'm sure, like uh, this podcast, uh, mostly is mostly listened to by uh, entrepreneurs, but I'm sure more and more investors, I hope, will start to listen to it. Uh, so, what would be the book for for the entrepreneurs or the book for the investors? Good,
0: good question. Now, I try, I try as much as possible to read more articles in. Uh, HBR and, and McKinsey Quarterly and all of that, and kind of keep it to articles. And then in my when I read books, I normally read, uh, you know, I don't read uh, work related stuff really. I try to kind of have the more professional stuff to read articles instead uh, and uh, keep it kind of shorter to, to get over more than to read books. So, uh, you know, I, I actually recommend to, to, uh, <laughs> So to tell, you know, when you sit down and read a book, for me, the most important thing is to read something completely different. Uh, but that can so. Ask...
1: What's the last What's the last non business related book that you've read that that is good
0: uh, that you would recommend? Uh, it's actually you know it's, it's funny. It's actually a book written by my uh, my aunt okay. who is. Uh, <laughs> one, one of the mo- most famous authors in in Norway, really. <laughs> oh, really,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so is it is it available in English?
0: Uh, yeah, it, it probably is going to be. She's had the, several, you know, most of her books have also been translated.
1: Um, what is the, the either the training or the podcast, the blog or the influencer you would recommend um, entrepreneurs and you know, people with a sustainable mission to to follow? Hmm
0: uh you know i'm very much in the ocean space right and i think um some examples of of, uh, of people um uh i think um nina jensen is a is a good one she's an uh, ocean bio- marine biologist she's head of rev which uh, it's a big research vessel and a big project in, in Norway or globally, really, with ocean and conservation technology startups. So I think Rev Ocean and Nina Jensen is, is someone. Uh, Christian teleki as well, who is the head of uh, the world, uh, uh, head of ocean at the World Research Institute and also head of Friends of Ocean Action. He's also a friend of mine. You know, he posts uh, a lot of interesting things on on Twitter uh, with regards to new research. Uh, You know, Friends of Ocean Action, again, it's not a person, but it's a group. I think uh, the ocean panel, uh, you know, a lot of those players that, you know, it's it's useful to follow in the ocean space
1: and see what's new of research. Thank you very much for all these tips mm. um, I, I'm, I'm really glad and thankful that uh, you you took the time to actually say yes mm. <laughs> in the middle of uh, like your you know your OKRs and we made it through for the, for this podcast interview Uh, Marne so thank you very much again for sharing your experience and uh, wishing you all the best with your with your new uh, company FIND is FIND already online? Uh,
0: it's uh, next week so I'll I'll share it with you when I'm
1: ready okay thank you very much again for your time have a wonderful day and uh, all the best thank you Gabe if you like this podcast there are two things you can do that would mean the world to me the first thing is to sign up for the podcast newsletter. That way, you will be notified of the new episodes, but you will also get a summary of the learnings at the end of every season. Plus, for each episode, you will get the resources and the list of do's and don'ts that every guest shares with me. And finally, you will also get the opportunity to ask our future guests one question in advance. You can sign up for this newsletter on gtimpact.com. The second thing you can do to be super helpful is to recommend this podcast. For that, you can write a review on Apple Podcasts and share the podcast with your friends, other entrepreneurs and people trying to build a sustainable future. That way, we can all learn together and work on a brighter future for us, our children and our planet. Thank you very much and see you next week for the next episode. Have a nice day.